people come from all over and they sit at his feet. And Jesus proceeds to tell them who he is and what he's all about. Now, before we go any further, let me just tell you this. Um, this word beatitude comes from the Latin word beatus, which simply means blessed. And so we know that Jesus, the very first thing that Jesus wants to do is he wants to speak to the hearts of these people and teach them how they can enjoy and know the blessing of God on their lives. Now, who here this morning wouldn't love to know how to enjoy the blessing of God in their lives? Of course you want to know. You want to know how to enjoy God's blessing on your life. I'm going to tell you this this morning. The blessing of God is something that God gives. The blessing of God is something that is enjoyed when we do things the way God chooses or calls us to do things. And so understand this. This, this passage called the Beatitudes is, is a key passage and really is, in my opinion, should be memorized by everybody. I remember uh, when I was um, probably about... 10 years old. I just remember, I talk about this all the time. The grade 5 New Testament you get from the Gideons. Everybody remembers that? I enjoyed that so much because, um, because in there, it, it actually gave you some suggestions of scripture verses that you could memorize. And I remember after I got my New Testament, I was laying awake. Everybody had gone to sleep. My mom was up late, late, late. And I'd memorized my, the Beatitudes. And, um, I remember running downstairs. It must have been about uh, 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, and those were the days when kids went to bed at 7. Anybody remember those days? Yeah. I wish, I wish those days were back. But anyway, uh, up, at a, up, up at 11, 11.30, ran downstairs and said, Mom, I've got to tell you this. What are you doing up? Oh, Mom, this is, this is really important. This is exciting. I memorized the Beatitudes, and then she took my New Testament and, and followed along as I recited it back to her. Those Beatitudes, my friends, have stuck with me and have influenced the way I've lived my life. Now, I'm not saying that, that I'm without fault or that I've, that I've always kept it perfectly, but I can say this, that it has informed the way that I speak and think and, and live. And when I don't live up to those Beatitudes, the Spirit of God is able to poke my heart and remind me of what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. Because, friends, this is exactly what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's all about following Jesus and what it means to be a Christ follower. So this morning, uh, there's, a, there's a few lessons here that I, I want to drive home to you. In fact, just two. Two lessons that are, are closely related. And um, I'm going to just say this, before, again, before I go any further. A lot of preachers will actually take the Beatitudes, the eight Beatitudes, and will do a sermon series on that. And every week they'll, they'll preach uh, from one of the Beatitudes. Uh, for instance, we'll start with, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, and they'll go on from there. And then the next week it'll be, blessed are those who mourn. But this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to preach them all to you. So we should be here until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But no, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to get the spirit of it, Okay. Uh, I, could, I could go on and on about each one. I could, I could literally teach hours on each one of these Beatitudes, but Jesus didn't do that. And so if Jesus didn't feel a need to go on for hours and hours on each of those Beatitudes, then, then I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just give them all to you this morning. 
And I'm going to talk about the spirit or the essence of those Beatitudes. Because it's something that I want you to take home, and it's something I want you to, to study yourself. It's something I want you to memorize. It's something that I want you to maybe write out and put on your refrigerator or put on the dash of your car uh, or on your windshield when you're driving. <laughs> no, don't do that. But put it somewhere where you can see it all the time. So what are the lessons that Jesus has for us from these Beatitudes? First of all, and this is going to come as a shock to some of you, I think, Jesus favors the poor. That's the very first thing I want you to know. Should I say it again? (laughs) Because it sure doesn't seem like that, does it? You you wouldn't think that, but Jesus does favor the poor, the unfortunate. When he comes preaching the gospel, when he begins his ministry, the very first words out of his mouth found in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the... He didn't say to, to preach good news to the rich, but it's good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the, for the captives, the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today. Because you may be here today thinking God's forgotten all about me. God is not hearing my prayers. I'm going through a hard time right now. I'm going through a struggle right now. My life is in turmoil. My job is in turmoil. My family is in turmoil. My marriage. You might be going through a hard time. I want you to know something today. God especially favors you and wants to speak to your heart and wants to encourage your heart and wants to refresh your heart and wants you to come once again face to face with a loving Heavenly Father. God favors you. And you'll notice that it is the broken, it is the oppressed, it is the hungry, it is the needy who recognize how much they need God the most. Have you ever noticed that? When everything's going fine, we have a tendency to do what? A tendency to forget about God. Isn't that right? When things go well, we forget about God and we start doing our own thing. And Jesus comes along and says this, My favor is upon those who recognize their need of the Father in heaven. Now, interestingly, where, where, if you were to come to this earth from heaven and begin a ministry, where would you go and to whom would you go? What would make the most sense to you? And if, it was, if it was me in charge, if I was the sovereign of the universe, laughed. <laughs> if I was a sovereign of the universe, I'd think, where would be the most sensible place for Jesus to go and begin his ministry? Probably Rome, right? The center of the world at that time. Or Jerusalem, at least, the very least, the center of Israel at that time. All the political greats were there. All the, the richest were there. But Jesus does not choose to go to the wealthiest and the richest and the most powerful. He chooses to go to the very least. To the poor, the broken, the oppressed, and the needy. That's who Jesus goes to. And I want you to know today, if you fit the bill, God really, really cares about you. 
You say, does, God, does that mean God does not love the rich? No, I didn't say that. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But understand this. God favors those who recognize how much they need him. I believe that the key to understanding the Beatitudes is found in a few verses down, Matthew 5.20, where, where Jesus uh, talks about the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were, in fact, the, 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 they were the rich. They were the politically powerful. They were the religiously powerful. They were, they were said to be without sin. They were said to be perfect in every way. They were really it. And yet Jesus doesn't go to them. In fact, Jesus sets them up as an example, saying this. He says, if you want to know the blessing and the happiness of God, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, he says, your righteousness has to exceed the Pharisees' righteousness. I want to tell you, the Pharisees were very, very righteous in the sense that they broke no laws. They never did anything wrong. In fact, they were so proud of it that they would walk through the streets with their robes out and make room. Don't touch me because I'm per- pure and perfect. And if you touch me, you'll defile me. I'm not kidding. That's, that's the way they function. And Jesus says, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, if you want to be a child of God, then your righteousness has to exceed even the Pharisees. He said, well, who, who could do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So Jesus comes to these poor people. These poor people are far away from the place, the place of worship, the temple of Jerusalem. These people who are fishermen, uneducated, poor, many sick, and many could not practice the religious rituals and the cleanliness rituals of the day as the Pharisees could, and yet these are the ones Jesus comes to. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Let's look at that passage of Scripture. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's read it together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All of those who have a heart for God. All of those who recognize that they need God are the ones who will receive God. If you're here today and things are going rough, it's going tough, it's difficult for you, you recognize how much you need his help. I want you to know today he's here for you. He's here to touch your heart. He's here to refresh you. If you're here today feeling the guilt of sin because you have failed, you've failed, you have failed, and you think, that's it, it's over, God will hate me, it will hate me for the rest of my life, I want you to know 
God loves you. Because here it is, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that means? It means blessed are those who recognize that they fall short of God's glory. Those who fall short of what God wants us to be. Are you that person today who recognizes how you fall short of what God wants you to be? It means that we know how unworthy we are to receive God's grace. If you're that person today, then I want you to see yourself being embraced by your Father in heaven. You've fallen short, and you know it, and you feel sad, and you feel guilty because of it, then you're the one that God is here to embrace today. It's not those who feel that they are perfect, they never make a mistake, they never fail, they never... No, it's for those who recognize how much they need God's grace in their lives. Blessed are those who mourn. Those who recognize that they're sinners and understand how much their sin has hurt God and hurt the people in their lives. Is that you today? You're mourning because you've, you've failed your wife, you've failed your kids, you've failed God. God doesn't favor those who think they're perfect and have never made a mistake. No. It's those who understand and recognize how much they failed. Blessed are the meek. Did you see our sign out there? Blessed are the meek. Take a look at it when you leave the service. A lot of people have a misunderstanding of what it means to be meek. This word meek, translated from the Greek, very simply means a strong person who is under God's control. Somebody who is meek says, God, I've got my own ideas and I think I can figure this out on my own, but God, because I, I want to follow you, because I want your blessing in my life, I'm going to come under your control. That's what a meek person is. Very strong, but saying, God, I'm surrendering to you. I'm letting you have control of my life. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you said, God, take control? That's what a meek person is. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That word righteousness literally means justice. Those who are hungry and thirsty for what is fair and just. And the Bible says they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. Can we just stop there for a moment? When's the last time you shook your finger at somebody? Because in your opinion, the way they were living didn't add up. When's the last time somebody failed and you... You're not going to give them an inch because they don't deserve it. When's the last time somebody failed you and you said, that's it, no more chances for you, strike three, you're out. When's the last time somebody failed and you said, oh, I always thought that about him. <laughs> I just can't believe it took so long for him to fall flat in his face. What a jerk. We can be so, so unmerciful, can't we? We can be so cruel to other people. We're, we can be so quick to judge people and put them down and put them in their place and think that somehow we are better. You ever think like that? If that's you, then you do not have God's favor. Then you're more like the Pharisee than you are 
like a poor person that God favors. Remember the prayer of the, of the sinner and the Pharisee? Jesus told the story. He compared the two. He says, look at that Pharisee standing before God. He's like, I'm so glad God is not like that. That dirty sinner over there. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. I'm so good. I'm so perfect. I never make any mistakes. I'm, I'm awesome, God. But you know that about me already, Lord. I really, really am pretty awesome. I, I know that you could even use my help in running the universe, but God, I, here I am today. I, I, don't, I hardly even know what to say because I'm so perfect. I'm so good. And then Jesus, look at this other guy here, the sinner. He, he won't even come near the front of the church. He's at the very back seat. Who's in the back seat today? Uh, never mind. He said, he's at the back of the church. He said, I can't even, I'm not going any further. I don't deserve to be anywhere near the front of the church. I don't even deserve to shake the pastor's hand. And he says, God, I'm, I, he, his head's not even up. His head's down. He's bowed down. He's heavy with sin and shame and guilt in his heart. And he said, God, I, just, I don't deserve to even cry out to you. But God, just in case you might hear my prayer and might forgive me, God, God, Jesus says, that's the one. That's the one God hears. That's the one who has God's favor. It's not the one who thinks he's so good and so perfect and wears a suit and tie on Sunday. <laughs> it's the one in jeans whose jeans are ripped and, and broken and hurting and knows how much he needs God's mercy. Jesus says this. He says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. I don't know about you, my friends, but I need too much of God's mercy not to be merciful to others. Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> Do you understand that today? Do you understand how much you need God's mercy? Because once you understand how much you need God's mercy, then you have God's favor. Then you have the ear of God. But it's the unmerciful who God will be unmerciful to. I don't know about you, my friends, but I don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. And my friends, the way that you are going to fall into the hands of an angry God is if you remain unmerciful. There's someone sinned in your, in your family, in your, in, your, in your life, somebody who's fallen short. Don't hate them. Embrace them and love them. Love them back to the kingdom. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. What that means? What, is it, what does it mean to be pure in heart? It's to be pure in heart. <laughs> There's no need for a, a Greek definition here. There's no need for any real definition except to say this. Jesus said that without purity, without holiness, no one sees God. You will not go to heaven, my friends, with an impure heart. That's what the Bible says. It's not a way to send away people who are visiting for the first time. <laughs> I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, these are the ones that experience God's favor, God's blessing. You know what a peacemaker is, right? It's somebody who tries to make peace between people. Plain and simple as that. People... Peacemakers are people who try to, try to take the, the sting out of harsh words. They're the ones that try to, to, uh, to settle people down. They're the ones that try to mediate. They're the ones that try to bring people together who are having a struggle getting, getting along. You know people like that? 
Maybe you know the opposite. You know people who are not peacemakers. They're the ones that are constantly... What are they doing here? You're stirring the... You know, stirring, you've heard that? Stirring the pot. Stir it up. Stirring it up. They're the ones that say, hey, did you... Did do you, do you know what he said about you when you weren't here? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what she said? And now you, words have been taken out of context. Next thing you know, there's a fight brewing. Jesus says, if you want God's favor, then you've got to be a peacemaker. You've got to shut your mouth. Stop stirring it up. You've got to start bringing peace between adversaries. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You're doing the right thing. And because you're doing the right thing, and people are mad at you for doing the right thing, you will know the blessing of God. Jesus favors the unfortunate, the broken, the poor, the oppressed, the blind, the needy. That's who God favors. Now I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you how to be happy this morning. I'm going to tell you this. Happiness is an inside job. I can tell you this. After being in the mountains for about 10 days, I was sleep deprived, but I was loving it. Loving walking that sulfur mountain ridge to a peak. Going to Constellation Lake. Walking uh, in bear territory. Oh, it was exciting. Made it. <laughs> Climbing up to that alpine meadow at Emerald Lake. Marilyn, remember Emerald Lake? Marilyn's the one that introduced me to Emerald Lake. And I, I thought, oh, I'd just like to stay here for a couple of months or longer. <laughs> but can I tell you this this morning? Happiness does not come from being in the place that you want to be in all the time. Happiness does not come from having the things that you want to have by having a pocket full of money. Although some of you are saying, try me on that. <laughs> I'll try that. No, happiness is an inside job. It's something that happens within you. And this is what Jesus is saying here. This word, blessed, the literal translation, makari, means happy are. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy. It comes from within. It comes from that relationship that you have with God. And here's the thing this morning. If you're sitting here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I am profoundly unhappy. Well, I would say probably it's because it's been some time since you've really connected with your Father in Heaven. Would you agree with that? <laughs> It's been a while since you prayed. It's been a while since you opened your Bible and let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Happiness does not come from having everything perfect on the outside. Happiness does not come from having an absence of struggles or difficulties. Happiness does not come even from, from being perfect and acting like a perfect Christian. Did you know that? It's an inside job. These Pharisees, they, uh, they had some 600 plus little petty rules that they added in addition to the scriptures. 600 extra rules, and they kept them diligently. 
And uh, the Pharisees, they, they knew the scriptures forward and backward. Nobody would debate with the Pharisee because he would skunk you every time. They were disciplined in prayer. Every day they'd go to pray. Remember, oh God, I'm so great. I'm so perfect. That was the Pharisee. Great prayers. Fasted twice a week. Gave a third of their income to their church. They're very moral. Some had martyred for their faith. They attended at synagogue on a regular basis. They were evangelical. They were orthodox. They were evangelistic. Jesus said they'd even cross the ocean, which was a fearful thing for a Jew. They'd cross an ocean to win a convert. That's what Jesus said about the Pharisee. And yet, and yet, Jesus calls them children of the devil. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because it's so easy to act like a Christian and to do all the right things, say all the right things, to know Christianese. You know what Christianese is? Or churchese? I remember Allison Lowe saying that. Allison said right here, when she first came to the church, the way people would talk, it's like, what are they talking about? They have their own, we have our own sort of little sub-language that you've got to be in it for a while before you really understand what they're all talking about in church. We try, to, we try not to do that anymore. We're trying to get rid of that sub-language so that we, we don't feel, make anybody feel left out. But I'm going to tell you, my friends, it's so easy to walk the walk and to act like you're supposed to act and yet your heart can be so far from God. Your heart can be so, so empty. Maybe that's you today. I don't know. Maybe you're here today saying, you know, I've done faithfully in church. I tithe, I pray, I fast. And yet your heart is cold, cold, cold. In fact, Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law. What does woe mean? It means Unhappy are you. Sad are you, teachers of the law. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you've neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, listen to this, without neglecting the former. Jesus is not saying stop acting like a Christian. He's not saying stop talking like a Christian. He's not saying stop doing the things Christians do. He's not saying stop praying, stop reading your Bible. He's not saying that. What he is saying is this, is make sure that what you have externally, you have internally. And that's why we have so many Christians who are so unhappy. They look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. Hello. No smile on their face. I'm going to church now. The kills us. I'm going to church. Got a ticket on the way to church, but I made it. I'm so mad at that cop. Let those cops do something important. Stop giving out tickets. Go catch the criminals. You know what I'm talking about. You've, heard, you've had that conversation on the way to church. Jesus says you want to be happy. It's an inside job. It comes from this deep and rich relationship with God. And I'm going to ask you this morning, what is the condition 
of your walk with God today. I know, I know for some of you, the truth be told, if the condition of your heart could be flashed on the screen this morning, be non-existent. You know you're not where you need to be spiritually. And for that reason, you've lost your joy, you've lost your happiness. The Beatitudes really can be summed up in just a few words. Jesus said this to the Pharisees. You've neglected the more important matters of the law. This is really what the law is really all about. It's about justice. It's about making sure that people are cared for and helped. It's about mercy. It's about being kind to those who fail, those who fall, those who stumble. It's about being kind to them and helping them back up on their feet. It's about being faithful. Faithful in your love for God and for others. That really is the summation of the Beatitudes. And if you want to be happy, my friends, then you need to start putting those Beatitudes into practice in your own life. Maybe someday I'll preach a series on the Beatitudes, but I need you to go into your own Bible and I need you to look it up yourself, and I need you to memorize those Beatitudes, and I need you to study them. You need to do that for the sake of your own heart. This morning, are you uh, missing out on the happiness, the blessing that's supposed to come with a Christian life? Are you that person this morning who says, man, I don't know what happened to my... To, to, I don't know what happened to me. I was, I was doing so well. I was so happy. I'll tell you what happened. that you forgot what it means to be like Jesus. You see, the most important thing in your life, contrary to what some of the television preachers are going to tell you, is not that you be blessed beyond your wildest dreams, that you have whatever you want, that you get whatever you want. That's not God's will for your life. God's will for your life, my friends, is that you be like Jesus. Did you hear that? That's his will for your life, that you be like Jesus. And here's the cool thing, is that when you start living like Jesus, when you start seeing the Beatitudes alive and at work in your heart, when you start having the attitude, the mind of Christ, then God's blessing will flow upon you. Then you'll know the happiness then you'll know the joy that your heart is aching for. And I'm going to tell you this this morning. Some of us are trying to get that happiness back in all the wrong ways. Some of us are trying to reestablish and refine that happiness that our hearts have been craving for. But I'm going to tell you today, there's only one way, and that's by being like Jesus, by living like Christ by being merciful to those who are broken, falling, and hurting, by pursuing, by being hungry and thirsty for justice and righteousness, helping those in need, helping those who are broken, those who are oppressed. It's by loving God with all your heart and loving the people around you. Yeah, you heard me, the people around you. It's about being faithful. You do that and watch the joy return to your heart. Watch the happiness begin to flow in your heart. Watch the blessing of God literally flood you from head to toe.
That, my friends, is who Jesus is. And that's what Jesus wants for you. Would you bow your head with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you this morning for the reminder in the Sermon on the Mount of what it means to be a Christ follower. Father, you're not looking so much for outward perfection as you are looking for a people who love you and who are trying to maintain that relationship with you. And in maintaining relationship with you, actually begin to imitate you and do what you do. God, we know today you are a God of justice. You are a God of love. You are a God of mercy. And that's exactly what you expect of us. That's exactly what you want us to show to others. Father, we pray today that your people here would know your favor by recognizing their need of you. And they would know a happiness that comes from within and not from without. We thank you today, Lord, for your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Amen.